Welcome to the Home Truths Good Cheer Society. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 33. Just about a year ago, I wrote something like the following. American yard decoration doesn't usually include religious art, but of late it has gone straight from personalized seasonal flags to aggressive statements of leftist creeds. Interspersed, it's true, with the rare red, white, and blue Trump-bannered outlier. At least that is how it is here on the East Coast. Not sure how it is where you live. Some people I've noticed have suggested making yard signs with counter messages. I've wondered if this is the right response to post a sign with say the apostles creed or a point by point refutation of the love is love we believe in science narrative. One seems to grant the premise that people want to know each other's opinions, that those opinions ought to be expressed verbally on one's lawn and that doing so will have a good effect. We will come right back to this question, the specific question of how our yard should look, given that others are making their yards into political statements. It's just that recently I notice ever more sad endorsements of mental illness masquerading as political rants. My heart goes out to the children being abused by these wrong-headed affirmations of strange assaults on bodily integrity. I also wonder what children not yet caught up in the whirlwind think when they read such things. I fear that our children and indeed all of us will lose hope in this dreary landscape and the evidence that they are is all around us. What are we teaching as a society? Not tolerance, an equivocal virtue at best, rather a sorting approach to the world and its difficulties, an approach of putting all things in activist terms into neat categories, abandoning our human nature and its delicate development based as it is meant to be on relationships of love and flourishing. For those who don't know me, I'm Lila. I'm a self-appointed collective memory curator known to some as Auntie Lila. I write, write about competence, learning some skills of homemaking and life and why why the woman's role is important in offering inspiration in everyday beauty and virtue, and why the man's role is important in protecting and providing for that vision, why man and woman are meant to cooperate, not descend into conflict. With these podcasts, I'm trying to reach those who might benefit from my practical kitchen sink philosophy, but who like to listen more than read. So if you know someone like that, please share. So I grant you, things are bad. The real question is, what do we do? How should we then live as it was famously put? The answer is what it has always been and we desperately need to recover our way. That way begins as it always does with our own interior life and radiates from there. Without some connection to God in our inner self, We cannot do anything but lose hope when faced with the disconnection around us. If you're looking for good spiritual reading on this point, 
I highly recommend the book, The Soul of the Apostolate. It's a classic and it explains in vivid detail how important the inner life of prayer and connection to our Lord and his life in the Trinity is to our ability to reach out to others and to transform the world. I'll put that in the show notes. That connection uh, that I'm talking about begins with and ends with beauty. Beauty is the radiance, the radiance of truth and goodness. Beauty is the beginning of prayer because when we see something harmonious and luminous, we are drawn to goodness, which is virtue and which is intimately connected to the truth. To want to pray is to pray. When we see beauty and are drawn to it by its radiance, we experience the desire to be united to it. And that desire is already prayer. Although we often think of the truth as something contained in words, we must remember that Jesus Christ is, as we read in scripture, the shortened word, the word made flesh. Jesus is the image of the Father God. Through sacred art, we enter the world of this word that we see all at once without the necessity of a long thought process. We see whole with our whole being. As I said, I want to talk about our yards, the street, and how to rescue our actual lives and not lose them along with our minds. Beauty will save the neighborhood. Beauty is, as I have said, the radiance of truth. If we merely post a respect life sign for the benefit of perfect strangers or our neighbors, we find that we activate a response, pro or con. But if we show a Madonna and child, we draw the passerby into a different realm where the child is not only respected, but loved and where we desire to be the sort of person who participates in that world of love. In Hosea, we read, I will draw them with the cords of Adam, with the bands of love, and I will be to them as one that taketh off the yoke on their jaws, and I put his meat to him that he might eat. When we're having an intellectual debate, we can state our position, but when we're dealing with everyone in the street, whether we really know them or not, we must draw them towards truth and away from ideology. It's love that draws hearts towards itself and beauty is the manifestation of love. People wonder why they love traveling in Europe so much, why it's almost a pilgrimage wherever you go, even if you're there ostensibly as a tourist. I would not be able to sum it all up for you, but one important factor I noticed when I was there last is the proliferation of beauty, not least in sacred images. A niche with a statue of Mary tucked in a wall or high up where the building meets the corner. The faith is there on the street for all to see. It forms part of the experience of passersby. 
even those passers-by who have no faith. In my post of this title from last year on my blog, in which I first wrote my riff on Dostoevsky's famous dictum, beauty will save the world, perhaps too grand a goal for the likes of us, whereas the neighborhood is more manageable. I was able to include many beautiful images. Obviously, I cannot do that in the podcast. Where centuries and millennia of Christianity have embedded the practice. I'll just briefly describe them for you here. A wooden box with an icon in it, nailed to a tree, a rosary hanging around it. A marble marble statue in a stone surround placed on the wall of a building. A bas-relief of mother and child tucked into a brick wall. A porcelain plaque by the front door. On that post, many left inspiring comments about their plans to do just these things. Some reminded me of that viral video of the FedEx delivery man catching sight of the Marian statue and kneeling for a quick prayer with the sign of the cross captured from someone's porch cam. Do you remember that one? Very moving. Some told of their intention not only to put up a statue, but to install a bench as well. Many followed up on Instagram to show their efforts. I am totally inspired by all this. I'm still trying to find a pedestal for the beautiful statue my daughter gave me. Let me know if you have a good source for me. It's true, I live at the end of a dirt road. There really aren't passers-by my house, although there are delivery men and there are guests. It may be that I'd be able to put something on a tree at the end of the lane, something to think about. David Clayton and I wrote about the traditional icon corner in the home in our book, The Little Oratory. We called it the beginning of prayer, and so it is. We can't keep the good locked up in our minds. It must have an outward expression in beauty. Having a place in the home helps us leap over the difficulties of always remembering, always needing to think about holy things in a superficial way that becomes a bit of of a hamster wheel, not engaging our real deeper selves. Glancing at that dedicated corner in our home shortcuts the tedious process of getting going again each and every day. Without realizing we've started, we are praying. We simply are in the presence of God and his holy saints who dwell beyond those images that are drawing us to them. Let's bring that same energy to our yards. Instead of a long laundry list of political objectives or a made-up symbol like that six-banded rainbow, you know that a real rainbow has seven colors. At least that's how it's traditionally been depicted. With its ever-growing additional bars and shapes, the significance of which is going soon to require some sort of handbook to explain it, let's offer passers-by 
something beautiful, an image or statue of a holy saint of God, or the face of our Lord himself traditionally depicted in iconography, in a simple but lovely setting or handmade niche with flowers maybe. We can only start the renewal of God's kingdom with ourselves. His kingdom is within, he has told us, and with our homes and perhaps out all the way to our sidewalk. Let's live again. Let's live. Let's marry. If we're married, let's inspire our spouses. Let's enjoy each other. Let's leave apart and behind this war of all against all that we find ourselves in. Let's have children. Let's read and sing to them. Let's teach them ourselves what it is that we know and want them to know. Let's have a bonfire. Let's make a traditional prayer corner. Let's celebrate all the feasts. Let's have a procession or let's just even fry some onion rings and invite our friends to share. In the words of St. Thomas More, farewell and pray for me and I shall for you and all your friends that we may merrily meet in heaven. Hi, my name is Dominic Casella, and thank you very much for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Center for the Restoration of Christian Culture, please visit our website at restorationchristianculture.org. If you'd like to learn more about Thomas More College of Liberal Arts, please go to thomasmorecollege.edu. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and please like and subscribe. God bless and take care.